0: Why don't you turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, and we've been uh, in a series. This is the fourth installment of a series of messages that we call Beast Mode. Beast Mode. And Beast Mode is when we take on our task with extraordinary or extreme strength. In other words, it is it, it is it is that grit that we have. It is digging down deep. And and what we said for us, we don't actually want us to dig down deep within ourselves. We want us to press in deep to the to power of God that that we have some strength, but we're not created just to live by our strength, but we were created to rely and depend on the power of God. And I was thinking about this week so many times because we're Americans and probably today you're not worried about eating. Probably today you're not worried necessarily about where you're going to sleep. Um, in fact, we, 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 we worry as Americans about so much when we have so much. It almost seems like maybe if we had less, we'd worry less. Like we're so worried that someone's going to scratch our new car that we have, and 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 yet somewhere else in the world they don't have a car and they're just hoping to eat today. And and I was just thinking about it, unfortunately because we are spoiled as Americans. You don't have to amen this. This is truth, and you don't even have to like it. It's free. Um, but. But I was thinking about how, how even in my own life, I'm so spoiled that sometimes, sometimes we have to get creative about finding ways to trust God in our lives. And then I thought about how merciful God is because if we enter into this life of faith with God, he will always make sure there is a way to trust him. He will always have us believing him about something for something. He's always wanting us to do something. We'll always have something in our life where we need God to come through because we were not created to do this life without God. And God is so merciful, he will make sure we can't do this life without him. Oh, you can try. You can do it. But without him, there is no peace. And without him, you can't really experience joy, right? With not, I'm not talking about happiness. You can have happiness in seasons. That's all based on circumstance. The people that won the lottery, they're very, very happy. <laughs> and until they blow it all, and then they're very, very sad, right? And so, right, but we're talking about joy that transcends circumstance. That guy comes from Jesus, and, um, and so I was just thinking about in our lives, do we have that mindset? Do we have that, uh, that, that even on our dashboard that today, am I trusting in the power of God? Am I trusting in God's power in my relationship? Am I trusting in God's power in my finances or in my business or in my witness as I'm trying to share my faith? Am I trusting in God's power and expecting to get, see God work and move? Because that is the way that we are supposed to live, just like with, with this building that, that we're building out, out north of town. We're trusting God because we can't do it. I can't do it. The elders can't do it. The staff can't do it. Um, by the way, if you want an update, they're they're working on it. They're they're digging out the foundation and building the road and and all of that stuff. And if you want an update, we still need about 1.6, 1.7 million for that next phase to put up all the steel and all that. And so, if you need to give today, you spell million M I L L I O N. And um, man, God bless you. And so, anyways, uh, but we're relying on on the power of God. And when we get to we we get to Hebrews. We're talking today about Hebrews. Hebrews chapter eleven. If if you if you study God's word, you know we're about to talk about faith, because I don't think that we can really see God's power in our life apart from faith apart from faith so in Hebrews what's going on in Hebrews so we don't really know who wrote Hebrews and we don't really know uh, where Hebrews was written to some people say to to Jerusalem some people say to Rome um, not really sure but it, we know who it was written to it was written to uh, messianic Jews so those are Jews who believe that Jesus was the Messiah first century Christians who were Jews that's who it's written to and it's written because they are they they much like the fresh Prince, their life has, their life has flipped, turned right, flipped and turned upside down. Um, I'd like to take a minute. And just sit right here. I'll tell you how anyways. Um, but, um, but they have chosen to follow Jesus. And as soon as they chose to follow Jesus, things got bad. Right. Now, some of you are like, wait a second. I brought a guest today and I told them they would feel better at the end. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know but they chose to follow Jesus and now they are under persecution and and the economy has changed and and their businesses are being boycotted and there is threats against them, even even threats of imprisonment. And so things have gotten bad and now they are considering clicking unfollow. (laughs) They're thinking, I'm gonna unsubscribe to Jesus' YouTube channel. I'm not listening to that Sermon on the Mount anymore. And so the writer of Hebrews is writing them and he is trying to, to remind them that Jesus is the way. He's trying to remind them in a way of what they believed. And he's trying to explain to them this role of faith. In fact, um, he, he really writes with two, two main objectives. Number one, to convince them that Jesus is supreme over everything. In fact, that's the four sections of Hebrews. That Jesus is supreme over the Torah and angels. That That Jesus... Uh, is supreme over Moses who gave the law, that Jesus uh, is supreme over priests, uh, that he is the high priest, and that Jesus is supreme over animal sacrifice. He's writing to explain that Jesus, there is no other way, that he is greater because they are considering not, not really, if you think about it, they're not really considering changing their faith in God. It's all about Jesus. It's kind of like in our world. No one has a problem if you have faith in God. They just have a problem if you pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And they were thinking about going back to Judaism, which is practicing the law and the sacrifice and and all of those things. And and he's like, no, you can't go. You got to stay. So that was the first thing. Jesus is supreme. And secondly, don't turn your back on Jesus. Don't unfollow. Don't unsubscribe. That's what he's writing about. And and the writer gets to um, the 11th chapter, which we call the Hall of Faith, because we're Christians and we name things after the world. I'm sorry, I grew up in the 80s where we had all the t-shirts like, this blood's for you, Um, God-wiser. No, that's not cheesy. But anyways, um, somebody right now is covering up their t-shirt. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. But but it is that great hall of faith where we start talking about these people of faith. By faith, Abel offered this sacrifice, and, and by faith, Enoch walked with God it gets gets on down in there by faith Abraham and by faith Sarah and Joseph and Jacob and, or Jacob and Joseph and you can guess to by faith Moses and by faith the children of Israel walked around Jericho by faith Rahab the prostitute it's been thousands of years since she did any of that but she's still known how many know the world just won't let you forget some things but in heaven she's got a new name she's probably Rahab the prophet by faith, by faith, by faith. And he is, he is writing to stir their faith and their persuasion about, about God. And we get to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. And he says this by faith, Sarah. Now to me, this is such a great picture for us today. Sarah, the wife of Abraham, Sarah, Abraham, the artist formerly known as Abram. His name was Abram. God changed it to Abraham. Her name was Sarah. God changed it to Sarah. The people that God wanted to bring a nation through that God did bring a nation through. The people who the Bible tells us in Genesis 11 could not have children. Sarah was barren. It was proven she had a doctor's report. But it says, by faith that Sarah herself received power to conceive. Even when she was past the age. How far past the age? She was 90. She was supposed to be playing bridge and watching Judge Wapner. But she received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead. Well, that's painful. We're born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the, and as innumerable as grains of sand by the seashore. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, because she was convinced the one who promised her was able to do what he promised. I call this message the power of persuasion. The power of persuasion. Can I pray for us? Father, thank you so much that we are in your presence. Today, God, we have gathered in your presence to to experience you, to encounter you, to hear you. God, I pray in this moment that your words would stick in our hearts and they would reveal you, that we would see you more clearly, that we would know you. God, that we would draw near to you. And God, for whatever reason that we have come today, whether we are believers and we have come to be encouraged and to know you more, or whether we are seeking truth and uncertain, either way, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us today, that we would hear you and know you, and God, that that would ignite in our hearts faith to follow you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Um, The power of persuasion. Write write this down, three things. First thing, first thing out of this text. Um, Faith is a means by which God's power flows through our lives. Faith is the means by which God's power. I, I like this because to me it is such a perfect picture of how God works in our lives. It's a perfect picture uh, because it shows all the angles. Because we, we could easily, it says by faith, Sarah received power to conceive because she was convinced God could do. And, and, and so here we have this by faith, received power, was convinced. And so here, here, if we back up or better yet, zoom in, let's just zoom in first, zoom in. Here is, here is a woman who is barren and I'm sure would like to have children, but she can't have children and God makes her a promise. And the promise is that she'll have a child. Now, if you're in this, in this, this micro view, you're like, isn't God good to give her what she wants? And we would all say, wow, yes, God is good. That's one of the reasons that, that we can trust him. It's one of the reasons we can follow him, because God is good. But then if we were to zoom out and get more of a macro understanding, then all of a sudden we begin to understand that this promise to her was not about her, but about him. And and sometimes in our lives, I think I think if we're not careful, we'll think God promised us something, and and we'll think it all like the story begins with us and ends with us, and faith begins with us and ends with us. And sometimes God is a part of our story, when truthfully all along we are a part of God's story. That God is writing history. That's where story comes from. He is writing his story, history. That's his story. Right? God is God is writing history, and we are a part of his story. We are a part of his history, and God is trying to accomplish something. And when God wants to accomplish something in the earth, not because. He Is limited in power because we know God is all powerful, but God has limited Himself in principle. And that principle is that God will not work on this earth without humans, that He has limited Himself in this partnership between us and Him, that we are co laborers. In fact, after God creates Adam, you can't find one place in the Bible where God works in the earth apart from man. Are, Are you with me? And so God is all about partnership. He's about the family business and He's invited us to participate with Him. And so all of a sudden now, this whole story that God is accomplishing is about a series of promises to people and when they believe his promise, his power works through through their life to accomplish his purpose and as a part of that, they get some things they want. But make no mistake, this is not about you, this is about him. If you have a promise from God, let me help you with something. If you have a promise with God, he wants it worse than you do. Because his promise to you is about you believing him so that your power will open up a door for him to accomplish his purpose through your life. His promise is about him, not you. It just benefits you. And this is what we see with Sarah. Sarah like, oh, I'd like to have a baby. And God said, I'm going to give you a baby because I'd like to have a nation. I'd like to have a people through which I might show myself to all creation. It is not just about Sarah, it is about God. And and yet it is her her faith, her belief in God that allows his power to flow through her life. In other words, faith let me say it this way, power doesn't move without faith. Just like you can't find one place in the Bible where God worked apart from man. Let me, let me zoom in a little bit more. You can't find one place in the Bible where God worked apart from a man or woman's faith. God doesn't just work through people. He works through people who believe. And so now this, this, this life that we live, that, that God has called us to, that we live, is truly about faith. Because without faith, God's power can't move into the earth. And what, God, what is God trying to accomplish? He wants earth to look like heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. This is what God wants, on earth as it is in heaven. So how does God get his kingdom to come into the earth? It's not just through people, it's through people's faith. And so we're going to talk about living in the power of God. We've got to talk about this idea of faith, that, that we have to be believing, that, that we are called to live and to be a people of faith. And if the enemy knows that God's power is limited to what we can believe or what we believe now, now we see that the enemy's strategy is always to come against faith. What did Jesus tell Peter? Satan's going to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed that your faith would not fail. And when you have returned, strengthen those around you. That the battle field, if you will, is 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 um is is or, or the battle is all about faith, but the battleground is typically in your mind. Because one of the greatest one of, the, one of the greatest adversaries to faith is what you think. Right. I like using Sarah because if you know the story, you know God promised them a baby, but it took 25 years for the stork to show up. I don't know if he didn't have GPS, if he got lost, if he had one broke wing, I don't know. But it took 25 years. And I could imagine in those 25 years, that there was a lot of opportunity. In fact, we'll explore it in just a little bit. There was a lot of opportunity to to possibly not believe. But make no mistake that, that faith is what this is all about because think about this. God wants his power to move through his people to accomplish his purpose, but power cannot be transferred. It cannot move. In other words, now we have become in a way the gatekeepers of what happens in the earth And for his power to move through us, there has to be faith. And without faith, his power cannot move through us. Look at this scripture, Romans 5, verse 2. This is Paul talking to the Romans. He said, through him, we have obtained. Look at that, have obtained. That is past tense. We have gained something. We have got something. We we went fishing and hooked something. Is it a bass? Is it a crappie? Is it a log? We don't know. We're going to have to reel that in. But we have something on the other end. It's not we're trying to obtain. Hopefully someday we will obtain. Is no through. Through Jesus, we also have obtained. We have something. What do we have? We have access. We have access by... Without faith, we do not have access. But we have obtained access... And the way we exploit the access we have obtained is by faith and by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. By faith into this grace. What is grace? Grace is the power of God. Grace is the goodness of God. Grace is where everything that God will ever give you is by grace. Everything that God will ever do for you is by grace. This is how it works. By grace through faith. And what he's saying is we have obtained access into all that God has and all that God offers and all that God is but that access the key to it is faith because of Jesus we have a door into everything God is but faith is the key that opens the door and without faith There is no access. And without faith, God's power doesn't flow through our lives. You want to prove this? Mark 6, Jesus is preaching in his hometown. And he's preaching a good sermon. Because it's the only kind he knows how to preach. Listen, when the word preaches about the word. Potent stuff. But the people get offended. At first, they're like, man, this is good preaching. then somebody says, isn't this the carpenter, Joseph boy? Then they get mad. They get mad that a carpenter could preach that good, I guess. And then the Bible records these words that Jesus could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. So here here God was present. God was powerful. God was benevolent and God was loving. Yet God didn't do anything because they didn't believe he could. No power moved from heaven into the earth. The all-powerful God. Not limited in power, limited in principle. And so faith is when it says, by faith, she received power. And we're talking about the power of God. And we want to see the power of God. Now we understand that faith is so important. Not wish, not hope, faith. And now now we have a role to play in that we are not just sitting back saying, I wish God would do something. No, it's like, well, what are you believing? We can't sit in the cheap seats and hurl tomatoes at God when it doesn't work out. He is, act, he is asking us to work with him on this. That we have a role to play in this. That God is wanting to release his power through our lives. God is wanting his promise more than we do because his promise brings about his purpose. And how frustrated would you be if you were God and you were trying to do something in your life and you're just waiting on you to believe and you knew you had the power and you knew you'd made the promise and you knew that you were able and you knew that you wanted it. And so I sit back there like, I wish you'd die sometime. And you're like, I'm trying to do something. <laughs> God can't do more than you believe he can. In Psalm 78, verse 41, this is the children of Israel and God's getting frustrated. Because it says this, it says, yes, again and again, they tempted God. How did they tempt God? They just didn't believe that he could do what he said. And in not believing that he could do what he said, look, at they limited. They limited the Holy One of Israel. They, they limited God. God wanted to do Listen, if God has promised something to you, he wants to do something through you. That, that faith is the means by which God's power moves from his kingdom into this earth and it moves through your faith, through your life. Here's the second thing. God can't move in my life until I'm convinced he can. God can't move in my life in, until I'm, until who's convinced? Until I'm convinced. And, and, and this is what, what we see about Sarah. By faith, Sarah herself, Received power to conceive even though she was past the age. And it says this. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. Sarah had a role. What was that role? She She considered him faithful. She counted him as faithful. She judged him as faithful. She chose to believe. But what did she believe? She believed God about God. She didn't believe Instagram about God. She didn't believe her agnostic cousin about God. She didn't believe the media about God. She, she, believed, she believed God about God. She didn't believe herself about God. This wasn't something she conjured up. It wasn't the power of hopeful, wishful thinking. It wasn't even the power of positive thinking. She didn't create a narrative and ask God to to fulfill it. No, no, she was convinced because she believed God about God. God appeared, God said, she believed. She believed God about God. That's why it's so important that we have our own experiences with God. It's why it's important that we, we ask God to show himself to us, that we ask God to reveal. And you say, well, is that right to do? God sent his son to show us who he was and you think that God doesn't want to reveal himself to you, just ask him, God, I want to know you. God, reveal yourself to me. God, if that's really you out there, make sure I understand it. God, talk to me about who you are because I'm tired of trying to live on my aunt's faith or my nanny's faith or someone's lack of faith. God, I need my own experience and I need my own encounter with you. I want to believe you about you. I don't even want to believe the preacher about you. He may be having a bad day. I want to believe you about But here's the thing. Now, when, when we read Hebrews 11, it looks pretty clean cut by faith. Sarah see power. Even though she was past the age because she believed God was faithful. But I would submit that's the Instagram post. Right. right, the one that makes it look all clean and nice and, you know, that's been brushed up and touched up and filtered. Oh, y'all don't know nothing about that? There's some people, if they saw their Instagram post, they wouldn't know it was them anymore. <laughs> but I would submit, this is the Instagram post. By faith. By faith, she received power to conceive when she passed past the age. She was convinced he was faithful. But if you ever read Genesis... Right. Genesis is before we applied all the filters and summed it up in 140 characters. Because in Genesis, Genesis 11 tells us Sarah is barren. In Genesis 12, God shows up, says, I'm going to give you a baby. And Abraham said, praise the Lord. We're gonna have he goes home and tells Sarah, Sarah, we're going to have a baby. And Sarah says, Oh, praise the Lord. And she gets on Amazon and he says, hang on, because before you order the crib, you need to know we're moving. Where are we going? I don't know. What's the address? Not sure. Any good restaurants? I don't know. May not be a Whataburger. Somebody bought part of them. I don't know. It's Sunday. Chick-fil-A's not there. And so here's Sarah trying to order her a crib and Amazon Prime it to a place she doesn't know where to send it. No forward and address, but yet they pack up the U-Haul and they head for the place. That they, and the whole time I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, she's probably looking through baby name books, reading that book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, because come on, you know your wife read that book if you're a husband and probably ask you to read it. And you're like, I ain't reading it. Just give me the highlights. I'm a man, I don't read. Man, things are going good. They find the new place. They set up the Ponderosa. Man, life is good. And then eleven years goes by. Abraham, what'd you say God had said? <laughs> and and Genesis sixteen, verse one. Sarah says, Abraham, I've got an idea. I have found if you devise a plan B, God will always allow you to use it (laughs) because he is in the business of delivering you from (laughs) self-sufficiency. Abraham, I've been thinking, why don't you sleep with my maidservant, Hagar? I just want you to know this was her plan. Abraham was just taking one for the team. (laughs) Then she says this. See, God has prevented me from having... Man, I tell you, you spend enough time thinking and enough time listening to yourself and enough time living and and enough time listening to the enemy of your soul and sooner or later he will convince you God is the one keeping you from what God promised he would give you. How to know if you're deceived when you believe God has become the culprit of why you don't have what God promised you you would have. That's how you know you've been listening to the enemy. And I think that's specifically for somebody sitting in this room. You came in here, and maybe you didn't say it. It's not printed in Genesis. But in your mind, you're like, God's the one keeping me from what God actually promised. That is so silly when you say it out loud. Sometimes you need to say things. God's not keeping you from it. God is working you towards it. Do you know, do you know, agreeing, agreeing, Agreeing with God about what he wants to do also means you agree with God on how he chooses to do it. Because sometimes we get a little anxious. Anybody? I don't have the gift of patience. I don't pray for it either. No, you do not pray for patience. I have learned. God will give you enough patience. Don't ask for more. Praise the Lord. But agreeing with God about what He wants to do also means that you're going to stay in agreement about how He wants to do it. How He wants to do it. And, And the truth is, when you go outside of God, when you go outside of God to try to achieve the purpose of God, you actually get in the way of God. When you go outside of God to try to achieve the purpose of God, you actually get in the way of God which means you actually slow down the promise of God. I wonder if Isaac would have been born sooner if Sarah hadn't gotten her own way. I don't know. No way to know till we get there and we can ask. I've got a lot of conspiracy theories that I'm not sure about (laughs) that I want to talk about when we get there. But here's what I love. We have Hebrews, look at the tension by faith. Sarah oh. see power to conceive. Because she was convinced. And I'm reading Genesis, and I'm like, where did where'd it be? Because <laughs> I don't see any power or any being convinced. And God can't do something in my life till I'm convinced He can. And yet I see this picture of mercy. Let me show you this. Because 11 years into it, we have Hagar and we have Ishmael. And then we rock along and God won't give up. In fact, five times between Genesis 12 and Genesis 21, when Isaac is born, five times God comes to them renewing his promise he comes to them saying, I'm going to give you a son. And then we get to Genesis 18 verse 10 in one of these meetings. And and he said, God said, this is when, when, when we, we, some people say a Christophany, Christ appearing as, as the form of an angel or a person in the old Testament. Um, some say it's the angel of the Lord, but, but anyways, it is God or a representative thereof. And, and he said, God said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife will have a son according to the time of life. And, And Sarah was listening in the tent of the door, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. And therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being also old. Sarah said, we got two problems. I'm old and he's old. Marvin Gaye have not been playing for a long time in our tent. <laughs> Let's get it. Anyways. Um, <laughs> and the Lord said to Abraham, we better get him back in the scripture. The Lord said, to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? By the way, you want to know what Isaac means? Laughter. Laughter. God's like, go ahead and laugh at me. I'll be laughing a lot longer. He who laughs, last. Why did Sarah laugh saying, shall I bear a child since I'm old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? That's a good question to put on like your mirror where you get dressed every day. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah denied it saying, I didn't laugh for she was afraid. But he said, ha ha. I'm God, and I know you laughed. (laughs) I love it because Sarah, her plan is adultery. Then she laughs at God. Then she lies to him. I'm just saying there's hope for us. That's all I'm saying. Like if you're sitting there thinking, no, I've messed up. I've gone too far. I don't know. Did you laugh at God and lie to him and concoct a plan that was full of sin? Even if you did, is there anything too hard for God? But here it was. She said, she said, it, she said, I didn't laugh. And the Bible says, cause she was afraid. 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 That word could also mean the fear of the Lord. And I thought about how merciful God is to confront our unbelief, because He knows our unbelief is the barrier to His power moving through our lives. And sometimes we're not honest about the ways that we don't believe, because we know what to post on Instagram. We know what to say on Sunday morning. And sometimes we we in our own hearts. Kind of start laughing at God in a way, this is never gonna happen, it's not impossible. And then God in his mercy will say, You laughing at me? <laughs> and so here it is. God God can't move in our life until he's convinced. But watch this, watch this, you talk about mercy. So God comes and confronts her unbelief and then watch two things that happen right after this. Number one, Sodom and Gomorrah, where they see the power of God displayed as never before. And then they move south because they were needing some sweet tea and some cornbread. And, and they move from Kadesh to, to Gerar. It's the best way I can say it. Don't laugh. You're not Hebrew either. <laughs> and there they come into the land of King Abimelech. And, and apparently Sarah was 90, but she had been on the potions and the lotions and the creams <laughs> and the vitamins because Abraham, Abraham's like Sarah, i a because, you know, I know you're like 89, 90 years old, but you hot. And they're going to kill me and take you. So let's just tell everybody we're we're brother and sister from Arkansas. And so I'm sorry. That's so bad. That's so bad. Why did y'all say that? I'm waiting on that email. Anyways. so he said, we're going to be brother and sister. so they, they, they go and uh, where is brother and sister. And so King Abimelech takes Sarah into his harem. Boom, boom, boom. And next thing you know, God shows up and says, King Abimelech, you may not know me, but I'm about to kill you. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't do anything. He's like, I know, but I was getting your attention. But Sarah is married to Abraham, so you don't need to have relationships with her. And so they say, you know, King Abimelech like, y'all got to leave. You got to go. Why did you? Why'd you lie to me? And they say he's giving them camels and and donkeys and sheep and goats. Just, just take everything. Just get out of here. And before they leave, though, check this out. Before they leave, Genesis twenty verse seventeen. So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech his wife and his female servants. Then they bore children. For the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah. Like she had an anointing in reverse, she imparted barrenness to the whole house. But look at the mercy of God, look at the mercy of God. He he allowed them to see, in fact, used them to pray for the miracle he wanted to do in their lives. In someone else's life, he showed them what he could do apart from them, to convince them of what he could do through them. And so here we have the fear of God comes on her, and then she sees the power of God, and then we have this weird, twisted time in 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 Guerrera, right? And 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 the next thing you know, the next thing you know, Abraham is praying, saying, "God open the wombs, and God open the wombs." This is why I think it's so important that we live in community because God will use somebody else's story to bring faith to your heart. Like like you can't be isolated and you you can't be alone. You need to be in a life group. You need to be in a community because you never know when somebody who's believing what you're believing for, God's gonna move in their life and it's gonna stir faith for you to believe that God can do it in your life. You never even know when God might use you to pray the prayer that he works through in someone else's life when that's what you're looking for in your life. That's why, listen, that's why we want always oh, this. I don't think until you can celebrate someone else's breakthrough, you're qualified to receive your own. This is maturity. Because immature, be like, uh-huh, sure, you're gonna open up Abimelech's wife's womb uh-huh, in 25 years, you ain't gonna. That's immature. So not only is it a testimony of God's power, but it's also a testimony of her maturity. It's incredible. And look at the mercy of God, how all that he went through to convince her. And that's what gets us to our last point, that faith begins and ends with God. That faith begins and ends with God. By faith, by faith. What does it mean, by faith? Um, the word in, in, in the original language, um, you could put a lot, of, a, a, lot of, a lot of things in the blank, but, but this would be accurate. It's a divine persuasion. What is faith? It's a divine persuasion. Why did Abraham leave? It was a divine persuasion. Why did Abel offer the sacrifice? It was a divine persuasion. Why did Rahab hide the spies? It was a divine persuasion. How did Sarah... Received power to conceive. It was a divine persuasion. It's divine persuasion. So here's the question you got to ask is, who is being persuaded? For, for, for Sarah, for God to work in Sarah's life, who had to be persuaded, God or Sarah? Sarah, right? God's pretty sure on who he is. Pretty confident. And so in all these lives, whether you're talking about Abraham, or you're talking about Abel, or you're talking about Enoch, or you're talking about Rahab, who is being persuaded? They are. Who is doing the persuading? God is. God persuaded Enoch. God persuaded Abel. God persuaded Abraham. It is God who is doing the persuading. It is God who is doing the persuading. I think sometimes we think faith comes from us, and and when faith begins with us, it becomes our responsibility to maintain it through and by us. And, and we think sometimes faith is about what I can convince myself to believe about God. And you you've been in those situations where you can hear yourself trying to talk yourself into believing something within yourself about him. And the problem is I can't be the... Beginning of my faith, my faith cannot be rested on me. I'm fickle. I'm flawed. I'm fragile. I'm fractured. I'm running out of F's. But anyways, (laughs) but I can't be the beginning of my faith because if I could be the beginning of my faith, I could just bring myself to salvation. If I'm the beginning of my faith, if I'm where faith originates, where faith starts, my faith starts with me. Then then I could create within myself saving faith in and of myself. But what I like about Hebrews is he's writing to these first century Jews who are thinking about unsubscribing from Jesus. And he is telling them, no, 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 no. These people were divinely persuaded. They were persuaded by God and he is pulling them toward what were you persuaded of? Who persuaded you? Did I persuade you? Did you persuade you? Or did God persuade you? And here's the reason I know, because we get to Hebrews 11, it's the hall of faith. Hebrews 12, verse two, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith, that my faith didn't start with me. It doesn't rest on me. I didn't persuade myself. I'm following Jesus because he persuaded me. My faith didn't even come from me. The Bible says it is given to each one a measure of faith. Look at Genesis 2.20. Look what it says. It says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by his faith it's his faith in me he has given me faith and I live by his faith and so now he is writing to these first century Jews who have followed Jesus and the fit has hit the shant. it has all gone south and they're thinking we can't do it we're going to turn back this is too hard this is too difficult and he's saying were you persuaded or not did you talk yourself into it or did God persuade you Did I persuade you or did God persuade you? And he is calling them back to this place to say, remember, this is Jesus we're talking about. He's he's inviting them to look above their circumstance and above their hardships and above the problems and above the tribulations and the persecutions. And he's saying, were you persuaded? because it's actually God who comes to us to persuade us. This is the grace of faith that that God doesn't ask us to find him. He reveals himself to us. He comes to us. He came to Abraham five times in 25 years. Five times from Genesis 12 to 21. Each time saying, I'm the guy. And one time Abraham said, couldn't you just bless Ishmael? Like, here's my plan B, Jesus. Could you just bless that? And again he says, no, I'm sorry. I'm not going to bless your plan because I have given you my promise and I will perform my promise and I'm going to persuade you if I have to come back next year. I'm going to persuade you again to believe me because I'm the author and the completer of your faith. It doesn't start with you. It doesn't end with you. I will maintenance your faith. If you will come to me, I will reveal myself over and over again. I will persuade you and when you're persuaded, that's That's where my power comes. And the reason I'm preaching this message today is I felt like God is wanting to persuade. There's some people saying it's it's not working. I'm tired. I'm losing faith. I'm worn out. And God's like, did I persuade you or not? What did I what do you believe about me? Are you going to believe me about me? Are you going to believe you about me? Are you going to believe your friend about me? Are you going to believe the media about me? But let me persuade you. My grace will persuade you to trust in me so my Power can work through you to bring my promise to you so you'll see my purpose in the earth. It's the power of persuasion. And God has not asked you to persuade yourself. God is asking you to be available so that he can persuade you. And that's how you rest in faith because you rest in the persuasive power of God, of him saying again and again, I am who I said I can do what I say I can do. And I will do it through you because your promise is about my purpose and my power works in you. If you'll just believe me about me, I'll persuade you. Man, that's good. Give Jesus a hand. That's just, that's good. want y'all stand with me?